Hello everyone and thank you for listening to the All Things Family Law podcast hosted by our team here at the Family Law Company. We hope you're well and enjoy listening to us. The Family Law Company is one of the South West leading specialists in family law with clients all over the country and the UK. We look forward to welcoming you on our podcast journey. This series will be discussing the various routes into a career in law and we'll be spending time chatting to our lawyers about how they qualified. We hope that you find their stories inspiring and interesting. I'm Donna Hart, one of the director and shareholders at the Family Law Company, and this week our guests are fellow director and shareholder Rachel Buckley, and our special guest this week is our associate solicitor Hannah Porter. Hannah's been with the company since September 2016 and is a valued member of the team. She's going to be talking to us about her journey into law and her approach. Okay, so thank you for joining us, Hannah. Um, Firstly, could you tell us why you wanted to be a lawyer? Um, Really, it was uh, when I started watching the BBC drama um, Silk, and I loved Martha Costello. She was a barrister on that, and I I wanted to do something that was speaking out for people who didn't have a voice. And why did you choose family law, then, as a specialism? Because it's so interesting. People are really varied, very different, no two days are the same. Um, It's never dry, it's never dull. Um, and there is a satisfaction in helping people when they're at their lowest. How do you find that clients react to you when they come in and they are at their lowest? Again, it really depends on the individual. Every client is different. So some clients pretend that they're absolutely fine and they come across very composed and occasionally it's about breaking down those barriers and getting them to be real and open with you. Other times they're very angry and feel wronged. Um, sometimes they do just come in and cry. Um, so you have to adjust your approach then, really, don't you? Yes, completely. And what is a typical day like for you as a family lawyer? Um, I get in, get my coffee, check my emails. Uh, coffee, coffee is, is the, yeah, the main important thing. of the- <laughs> Coffee is the most important thing. Without the coffee, I don't function. So I, I always get my coffee. I normally walk or cycle into work, which is nice. It just gives me a bit of headspace before I start my day. Uh, once I've gone through my emails um, and the posters come in, I will prioritise um, what needs to be done for the day. It can be difficult to plan in advance because things happen that are unexpected and you have to deal with emergency work on quite a regular basis. So how do you find time for yourself then in the evenings? If you've had a really, really, really busy day and you've had something urgent, so I suppose the type of urgent work you'd be doing is normally injunction work or emergency children work, so yes. quite difficult cases. How do you then find the time when you come back to the office or go home that evening to sort of unwind from that day? Um, I find that the the walk or cycle home kind of helps to get me out of out of the headspace and as far as possible I don't work from home because I like that separation between the office and my home life. Um, I have two cats, so when I get in, I always give them some cuddles, get a cup of tea. Uh, if I'm feeling stressed, I'll go out for a run. Um, I'll see friends, spend time with my husband. Yeah, and how did you find it then transitioning from being um, a student at university where you were studying into the work life if you like going into an office and and tell us about how you did that what you did at university and then how you entered the legal profession I studied um, the straight law degree at university so that's just three years of law with no other subjects mixed in Um, I did that at Cardiff and I stayed there to do my legal practice course Uh, while I was studying I was fortunate enough to obtain a training contract with a firm in Oxford 
Um, and then I moved back home, that's where my parents are from, um, and did that for two years. That was exhausting. I found that really, really tiring for the first six months, um, just changing from being able to do kind of what you wanted, when you wanted, and fit your work around your social life and your interests, to actually having to be in an office from nine to five and longer um, was, was tiring. The transition then down to Exeter when I joined here as a newly qualified solicitor in 2016 was probably less difficult than moving from degree to a training contract, um, but it's a new level of responsibility, it's change, it's suddenly having your own caseload, um, which brings its challenges. How did you find your um, move to Exeter compared to where you were in Oxford? Was there any benefits with moving to Exeter? Um, obvious ones are Dartmoor and being close to the sea. Um, I love getting out at the weekend, so that was really nice. Um, I was looking in Exeter uh, because my fiancé is a marine biologist, so there is no sea in Oxford. I had to move to him. Um, I found Exeter to be quite quiet initially compared to Oxford, but actually the more I've been here, the more I love it, and I love how... Um, close all the professionals are and the opportunity to network here is really nice. How about the work-life balance compared to Oxford? Much better. Okay, Much in, better. in what respect? Um, most of the time I'm out of the office by half five. Um, I don't have to get in ridiculously early. Um, obviously you, you do the hours that the work requires of you but people seem to have a greater appreciation here for the fact that you shouldn't be answering your emails at all hours of the night and your weekends are for resting and refueling for the week, not doing work that you didn't get a chance to do in the middle of the week. And what advice would you give to a young person who is thinking about a career in law? What would you say the challenges are now for those people and, and how difficult is it for them? Um, I think it depends what route that they want to take. Um, obviously, I'm a solicitor, so I did the um, traditional route of, of going to university. I think places at university are still, you know, they're taking on lots of people. Um, getting a training contract is the really difficult bit. Um, and with that, I would say do lots of applications um, because different firms want different things and you just don't know. Um, and just work hard. If you want it, you've got to work for it. There's been um, a lot of talk in, um, I've seen on social media recently about law students being one of the most stressed um, because of the um, amount of studying that they're doing, the competitiveness of training contracts. Um, how did you cope with that when you were studying? Um, I didn't actually have many friends on my law degree course, which helped, um, because all the people on your degree course are all doing the same as you. There's a really competitive edge with um, degrees and grades and getting your training contracts. And actually, if you surround yourself in that bubble all the time, it is incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. um, so I made sure that I was taking the time out to meet people who enjoy doing the stuff outside of the law that I did. And um, it's hard. It is, it is really hard. But also, I think managing your time well, making sure that you are disciplined about studying um, I remember I had this friend um, who would just cram right before the exam and that was her style and that was fine and I I just worked consistently throughout the year um, and just before my finals uh, my boyfriend at the time broke up with me oh, no. so for the three weeks before when I was supposed to be studying I was eating ice cream and chocolate and crying <laughs> we went into our I think it was land law exam and we both came out with the same result 
and she was not happy because she had spent the time I had spent crying studying almost 24 hours a day in the library but I'd put in the work beforehand so actually my kind of fail at the end meant that I, I still passed the exam well. Do you think that's prepared you in studying in that way has prepared you better for um, work, work in life? I think so. I mean, again, everybody works in, in a different way, but I like to be organised. I like to have my to-do list. Um, and that's partly why, although the initial reason I came into law was because I wanted to be a barrister, I chose to be a solicitor instead because you have that bit more control over your time and how you can plan and how you can do things. Do you think that benefits clients as well from working in that way? Definitely. I try to take the approach that the client should never be the one contacting me. I should be the one that's out there contacting the client. You don't want to be in a position where your clients are chasing you for stuff. No, so being proactive. Yeah. And, yeah. You've got to be organised. And what do you do to take care of your mental health and well-being? Because obviously a career in family law um, can be stressful. The nature of the work that we do, there can sometimes be longer hours or urgent work. Do you find that is just getting out in the fresh air and doing those sort of outdoor activities? Yeah, I think the power of nature can't be underestimated. Um, and actually, even if it's kind of a grey, drizzly day, if I can get out on Dartmoor for a couple of hours, Cause I feel seen, so much better. I've seen on Twitter that you've been doing wild swimming out in Dartmoor when it's yes. freezing cold. Yeah. So yeah. how do you motivate yourself to do that on a wet winter's day? Because I know I would probably rather be inside watching Netflix. <laughs> Because I've been inside most of the week, I get pretty wound up if I don't get outside. So most of the time, I want to do it, and I'm trying to drag my husband out to do it, and he wants to be sat on the sofa. Um, sometimes I get in the car, and I'm like, oh, why did I decide to drive to go and do this, and I'm going to be cold? But the feeling that you get afterwards is sort of, when I've been outside and done something active, it makes sitting at home in front of the fire even better. Yeah. Do you think that um, some of that comes from how you were educated? Because you weren't in the traditional education system. No. So tell us a bit more about that. And... So I was home educated. Um, I didn't go to school until sixth form. Um, I have three siblings who are also all home educated with me. Um, and my mum, particularly during primary school, took a fairly relaxed approach to our education. So in the morning we would do our maths and English and, and science, but the afternoons were for doing art or going for walks or... And getting out as yeah, a family. Completely. And you followed that through into your adult life. Yeah, ev every year as a family we would spend two weeks somewhere on the coast camping and we would be every day at the beach or going for walks like that. That was kind of my childhood. So how was the adjustment then from being home educated, then going into sixth form, where you're surrounded then by people that you haven't met before, and a probably a much more rigid um, way of learning than you'd probably been used to? Yes, I found that really difficult, because I've always been fairly self-motivated when I was working at home. Um, I, I would have correspondence courses and my mum taught me some things, but... I had to work much more like a university student, I suppose, in terms of motivating myself and making sure that I um, got the work done. And if I sent off an assignment um, for like GCSE English or something, my tutor would get it back to me within you know less than a week with comments, and I really liked that. So going to sixth form and you know I'd hand in an essay and it wouldn't come back to me for half a term, and I'd be like, well, I've worked really hard on that. Why can't you be bothered to mark it? And obviously teachers are under a lot of pressure. So I think. 
for some teachers I was a nightmare student and some teachers loved me <laughs> because I also couldn't be bothered with classes that I thought were a waste of time in my 16 year old wisdom. I think a lot, a lot of people that have been through the traditional education system when they get to sixth form in university they have to learn to self-motivate which you don't have to do in the um, in the traditional education system so you learn self-motivation at an early age. Yes, I found the transition from sixth form to university much more natural than from being home educated to sixth form. And it was never about the people or the social aspect, it was about how I'd been taught to learn and how I then had to fit into the kind of the state system way of learning. And have you found that that's helped you in, in your working life as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I'm more open to different things because I was always the weird one as the home educated kid. So when you've been in the position of being the weird kid the whole time, you're less judgmental about people's backgrounds and where they've come from, which is particularly helpful in this area of work because people come from all over the place. Um, and certainly the fact that I've always had to um, take responsibility for my own learning means that I um, take responsibility quite naturally for my own work. And you, you continue to take responsibility for your own learning now in, in the workplace because you're always looking to, to better yourself. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of things have you done around that? Um, I love a good course. I love going on a, on a course with a, an, an interesting speaker. Um, I'm always looking for opportunities to network and expand my professional connections. Um, I have recently um, formed a network with um, a lady called Stacy from Tilners, and that's particularly for women. And I was finding that I would go to networking events and being quite young, um, I'd be the youngest person in the room, I'd be one of few females in the room and nobody was interested in giving me the time of day and actually having a networking event that are people of my age, at my stage in my career, that's been really useful and I've had referrals from that, that already. That's around empowering young women um, in all professional yes, professions, yeah. not just the legal profession. Not just the legal profession, um, we've got accountants, we've got financial advisors, uh, we've got um, chartered surveyors as part of our group. And so what do you think now for young women coming into the workplace and coming into the law? Do you think things are getting better for women? And do you think that women are now sort of looking out more for other women? And I mean, here at the Family Law Company, over half of our board is made up of women. So does that inspire you that you can do that and move forward? Yeah, I, de I definitely think that I can do that. Um, I think it's, it is great and I would say more generally in terms of the workplace it depends where you work so here you know it's really easy being a woman in, in the workplace because you're not treated any differently at all um, I think from stories that I've heard and things that people tell me there are two types of um, more experienced women in business either those who really want to help the younger ones have, have a leg up but then you also get the ones that it was tough for them, so it's going to be tough for you too, and it's almost part of a growing up thing that they will squash you down, is what I've heard, to, because they were squashed themselves. But it's, it's good that you've taken the initiative already. It's such a, you know early part in your career that you're already helping develop the next generation of women who are coming through and wanting to be a support for them. I think it's really important. I think you know there are still lots of challenges that women face, and actually... They've, you, you've got to be helping somebody else. You know, at the end of the day, you are not going to benefit by only focusing on yourself because you're not going to 
do a career successfully alone. And you're very much involved in our mentoring scheme as well, yes. both as a mentor and a mentee. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about your, men- your experience as a mentor? Um, it's been really positive. Um, I'm, I'm mentoring um, a wonderful trainee paralegal at the moment and it's really great to see her enthusiasm um, to help discuss future career options with her um, because I'm in a position where I can delegate work to her. You know, we ha- we're having some really interesting discussions where I'm delegating things to her and um, kind of explaining why it's right or it's wrong and it, it's lovely to be able to bring her on like that. And she's already come on since you've been working with her, hasn't she? Because when she first came to work for us, she was taking um, new calls rather than doing any sort of legal work and now she's she's moved on in, in her career yeah. already with your assistance. Completely. She's she's come on in leaps and bounds and you know in, initially she'd be picking up a dictation or, or doing some filing. Now I will send her a client email and say, can you have a go at drafting a response? And more often than not it comes back really well. And sometimes with mentoring it can take up a lot of your, your own time. Um, but it, it is rewarding what, what sort of rewards do you get from, from helping other people? Um, I I think you answered it in that you've got people now that you can rely on to, to help you with your workload, which is, you know, and that shows trust, doesn't it? Um, because being a lawyer, we can all be a bit controlling with our workloads and we all like to look after our own clients. But to develop a good mentor relationship where you can trust that person to actually work on your files is, is a huge responsibility and I think that's credit to, to both the mentor and mentee when that happens. Have you found you've had to help her with confidence because quite a lot of young people now in the world they're growing up in which is full of social media and, and perfection and, um, and having to be great at everything, have you found that um, perhaps you may have lacked confidence and that's something you've had to help her with? A little bit. I think that she actually has a very good balance of um, confidence but not overconfidence um, sometimes she is unsure about things and I've got to say look I just want you to have a go I'm not expecting it to be perfect um, because you've never done it before so just try and, and see how, how you go it is so important to allow people to fail in a safe mm. way because that's where sometimes the biggest lessons can, can come always you learn far more from your failure, failures <laughs> than your successes so can you tell us then about some of the challenges you've faced going you know from qualifying and becoming a lawyer and being responsible for clients um i think you everybody has a way of working and a way of being and it's sort of like learning how to work in a way that fits with your firm and the people around you and your supervisors but also kind of developing your own style within that um i think i find it I used to get very scared about people on the other side of cases that seemed to know everything and would sort of just bat, bat down what I was saying straight away. And it's like, well, they've been qualified for longer than I have, so of course they're right. And actually, particularly over the past year, I've learned to take a step back from that and go, no, I know what I'm doing and provide a much more robust response than perhaps I would have done a couple of years ago. So now if you're at court with somebody who's less experienced... Um, how are you as an opponent, would you say? How would others describe you? I try to be fair but firm. Um, I'm not sure I've been at court much at all with people less experienced, but if somebody is um, struggling and, and really finding it difficult, um, 
my duty is to assist the court, not to steamroll somebody and make them feel rubbish. Um, and I think that applies to litigants in person as well that don't have legal advice actually being really horrible to them or kind of lording it over them that you know the way that the court system works and they don't isn't going to help anything. You know, you no. want to work together to reach resolution even if you are in a court process. And if you've had one of those moments where you've had like a good outcome or something really positive has happened and you thought, I'm definitely in the right career for me, I know this is what I want to do. Yeah, all the time. Like almost, almost on a weekly basis, <laughs> I will, something will happen and I'm like, yeah, that was great. Um, it happened on Tuesday, I was at court um, for one of my colleagues here, I was covering their case and it was just difficult, one of those cases where actually none of the solutions were quite right and the reports we had from the professionals were sitting on the fence a little bit and I just didn't know what to do and actually the judge in that case was really robust and I was against somebody um, who was called to the bar the year that I was born so that was a little bit intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I just put my client's case before the court and, and the outcome that we've got, um, I'm really pleased with, she's really pleased with, my colleagues really pleased with, so I was, I was buzzing driving home. Well, that's really good, isn't it? And I think it's days like that, because there are a lot of tough days, but those sort of days, they do make it all the worthwhile, don't they? Oh, completely. You know, you might have a bad week or, or even a really stressful month, but then you get these little pockets of, of light and excitement that keep you going. And you also do some things in the community. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Because I was surprised to learn the other day that you have a lot of teenagers come to your house for dinner and you cook for them all. And I was going home to like rest after a long day. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm part of one of the local churches in Exeter, Exeter Vineyard Church. And um, myself and my husband have recently taken on trying to help and mentor our older youth group. So they're about... 14 to 16 years old um, and every other week we have them come over for a couple of hours. And, and how many come uh, over? 10 to 12 come over. <laughs> I don't have the biggest house in the world, it's always a bit of a whirlwind and they just come in with all this energy and, and noise and consume the food that we provided for them and you know we, we tend to just have a chat about life stuff like um, you know we talked about identity last week and actually you know, how do you feel your self-worth? How do you stand up to all the pressures that are going on? So it's really practical things. Um, and teenagers don't come to stuff if they don't like it. So I think they must be getting something out of it. Yeah, that's really, really good. And again, that would help you so much in, in this um, job role. Yeah. Sometimes it can be difficult to get young people to talk and engage. How do you, how do you deal with that? Um, some of them talk far too much and some of them don't really talk at all. Um, I have a stuffed otter toy that I bought once so the person holding the otter gets to speak and they actually all respect the otter um, and to a point they self-regulate as well. So there's one kid that always puts his feet on my coffee table but the others yell at him for doing it and tell him that he's disrespecting the house. So we've got a nice bunch um, and it's just when we're having a discussion about something being aware of the child in the corner that's not really saying a lot and trying to specifically ask them questions without putting the spotlight on them too much or making them feel uncomfortable. And I guess they're interchangeable skills that you can use when you're um, meeting new clients who might feel um, fear about coming into a lawyer's yeah. office. Definitely. I think the 
listening skills are very important because what somebody is saying might not actually be what they mean so it's listening to listen not listening to have an answer um, and I think actually particularly because it's a church group they expect to become to told be told the answers and what we're trying to do is go actually not everybody knows the answers and we want you to be free to discuss and speak about things openly like don't just give me what you think is the right answer I actually want to know what you think and then we can go from there and that can be the same with clients sometimes where they, All the time. they don't they don't know what they want um, it's good to be able to have a discussion around that to tease that out completely and sometimes clients are embarrassed you know they don't want to tell you things because they're really personal and, and you're a stranger and kind of trying to draw them out to a point where they will give you that vital information is really important because I've had cases where they tell me something six months down the line when they trust me by which point it changes all the advice that I've just been giving them for the past six months. Yeah. Yeah. What would be the one piece, piece of advice you would you would give to a client who was at home, maybe struggling with something in their family, and they were thinking about going to talk to a lawyer, but were perhaps quite worried about it or feeling intimidated? What advice would you give them before they sort of approach somebody? I would probably tell them that lawyers are just humans too, and lawyers have families and personal problems and other things going on so they're not this kind of big scary invincible force and they will understand and they probably won't be shocked by anything that you're saying because they'll have heard it all before mm. um, I think sometimes people view lawyers probably how I view my doctor that they're just the doctor and they don't even have a life outside of being my doctor and that makes it a more t- intimidating experience yeah and I think here we've got really welcoming um reception staff we've got it's a quite a relaxing atmosphere we only specialize in family law so that we know everybody that's sort of coming in the doors feeling a bit vulnerable perhaps a bit nervous Um, but I think one of our key skills is that we're able to put um, people at ease straight away and I think one of the other positive things that we're able to do is is send out information in advance of the appointment yes um, which sort of preps them for their first Mm. appointment so maybe bringing a friend or writing down some questions beforehand makes them feel a bit more relaxed and we've also got a video as well that shows the client the journey that they're going to take from the front door through to reception area so that they know what to expect before they even walk through the door yeah which i think can be helpful Definitely. so hannah before we before we finish up is there any anything about you that perhaps might surprise people to know <laughs> well you've already exposed the home education one and that's normally <laughs> quite big um I do actually scuba dive. I am a qualified paddy scuba diver. Very nervous one. <laughs> I go to see the fish, but I get very scared about going that deep underwater. But yeah, I, occasionally when, when the time allows, I will scuba dive, only in hot countries. So you do most things on water? Happy Mo- to do most most things. things on water, and I've seen hammerhead sharks and sunfish in the Galapagos. Oh, wow. wow. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for your time today. I'm sure everybody listening has been really inspired about your journey into law, so thank you. Thank you very much.